The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Welcome again. So what is the kind of effort that is the most supportive in our meditation practice? What is the the kind of effort required for relaxation? Often these two can feel kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum and our our ideas about what it what it is to make effort often involves uh, a lot of tightness, a lot of forcing, a lot of straining, clenched focus, and yet. We may find that this just stirs up our body and mind. And this this kind of effort is often simply rooted in the unwholesome qualities of wanting or craving and aversion or not liking. We're not liking how agitated our minds are, so we're making a trying hard, making a hard effort to settle. But you may notice this just increases the agitation. So what is the most supportive kind of effort for our practice? And can we trust that this more relaxed kind of effort is actually sowing the seeds that give rise to greater and greater ease and well-being. So often we are orienting from a paradigm of, of control, of needing to make something happen. That if we aren't controlling what's happening, aren't trying hard to make something happen, then then maybe nothing will happen. But one of the things that the, one of the central insights or understandings that the Buddha had was around the conditions that support the arising of happiness. There is um, there are a number of, of stories in the, the discourses of the Buddha, a number of images and analogies that the Buddha gave for the unfolding of the path and what, what truly supports the unfolding of the path. One of these is the, the image of a hen with a clutch of eggs. He says that this hen 
may have a strong wish. May my eggs hatch. Uh, may that may my chicks hatch safely. But if she doesn't sit on the eggs to keep them warm and incubated, then they won't hatch safely. On the other hand, if she does sit on the eggs to keep them warm and incubated, then she doesn't even need to have a strong wish that they will hatch safely because the conditions she is doing the putting in place the conditions that naturally give rise to the eggs being able to hatch safely. In another sutta, um, the Buddha says that, that when we are acting in alignment with non-harming, when we are acting with um, ethical integrity, that one need not make a wish, may, may I have no regrets. It is natural that for one who is acting in integrity, in alignment with non-harming, with non-greed, with renunciation, with generosity, it's natural that one will have no regrets. And for one with no regrets, one need not make a wish. May, I, may joy arise. May I be happy. It's natural for one who has no regrets to experience joy and happiness. And this continues in the, in the deepening and development of the practice. For one who experiences joy and happiness, one need not make a wish. May my body and mind become tranquil. It is only natural that for one with experiencing joy and happiness, that their body and mind become tranquil. And for one whose body and mind are tranquil, one need not make a wish. May I be immersed in samadhi. It is only natural that for one whose body and mind are tranquil, that one will become immersed in samadhi. Samadhi is this moment-to-moment -moment awareness of experience, this moment-to-moment -moment receiving and availability to experience. And he says that for one who is immersed in samadhi, one need not make a wish. May knowledge and vision of things as they have come to be arise, because it is only natural that for one who is immersed in samadhi, that knowledge and vision of things as they have come to be will arise. This is pointing to the, the process, the natural process of the arising of insight, the arising of understanding. This arises naturally when we are available to experience in a sustained way. And that's what samadhi makes possible, this, this sustained contact and intimacy with moment-to-moment -moment experience. 
it's natural that when when those conditions are in place, that understanding will arise. One need not strive for or make a wish, may understanding arise. When the conditions are in place, it, it will arise naturally. And also in the the story, the, the image that the Buddha gives of the hen and her clutch of eggs, he also says that likewise, for a practitioner, one not one need not have a wish, may my mind become liberated. If one is committed to the, the development of the practice, their mind will become liberated. And on the other hand, if one is not committed to the development of the practice, no matter how strongly one wishes, may my mind become liberated. If there isn't the, the commitment to developing the practice, it will not happen. It's just a lawful process. A lawful process. So how much are we trying to make something happen that is kind of trying to force the hand of a natural process? Or how much are we simply engaging in the path, engaging in the practice in a way that sows those seeds that will sprout and ripen into the fruits of liberation. And we can explore, oh, what is the level of effort or striving? What is the kind of effort or striving? Is it trying to make something happen? Or is it this beautiful commitment, this beautiful ardency, this unwavering availability to experience? Saida will often talk about being relaxed relentlessly. What is it to be relaxed relentlessly? Maybe this is the kind of effort, this is, this is the kind of engagement that is the most fruitful, the most onward leading. You know, in fact, it takes some present moment awareness. It takes um, mindfulness to fully relax, to fully know when we're relaxed. Because without awareness, without mindfulness, we can't see the, the subtle ways in which we, we contract and hold tension or, or extra effort. But what if the practice is something more like relaxing continuously, relaxing relentlessly, rather than focusing hard or uh, not letting go of the present moment or something like this. Maybe there can be more of a, a trusting and resting, ba resting back, a trusting in the process and being available to the process more than trying to make something happen. Now, this is an important thing to feel into and to start to, to refine 
oh, how am I engaging in the practice? What's the level of effort here? Is it adding extra extra stress and tension? Or is the effort, does it have a quality of, of trust, of faith, of maybe even getting out of the way and letting something happen, being available for something to happen? In the the Metta Sutta, the Buddha describes some of the um, the instructions or the, the the qualities, the ways of being for those who who know the path of peace. Part of this is he says, "May they be contented and easily satisfied, not proud and demanding in nature." So what is it to be contented and easily satisfied and not demanding as we are engaging in our mindfulness practice with commitment, with with ardency in an unwavering way? See, there can be this, this balance between this unwavering commitment, this really resting our heart on, on the practice really being available and also not demanding that anything happen, being content with how it is, being easily satisfied. Where is this this middle way for you and your practice? In the Satipatthana Sutta, the Buddha uses the, the word over and over, abiding. One abides, alert, mindful aware, abiding, feels this quality of this unwavering being with experience, an an unwavering presence. Abiding isn't a a strained or or forceful kind of quality, but you can feel the steadiness, the, the relentless presence of abiding, of the availability of abiding, it isn't a a forcing, a pushing, a pulling. Often the image of a snow globe is used. You know, if you're holding a snow globe in your hand, it can only get so still. And yet when you put it down, take your hand off of it and let it let it settle on its own, the water and the snowflakes will settle to complete rest eventually. And when we when we do sit to practice, we meet our conditioning. And so we may know we may really know on, on some level that to relax, to be available, to be curious, to be not demanding is the more skillful or perhaps the more easeful, supportive way of practicing. And yet, when we sit and observe our minds, we are observing these deep-seated habits and patterns that have been 
operating for for decades. And of course, of course, we are going to observe trying to make something happen. We are going to notice our minds um, struggling and uh, trying hard, over-efforting. And this is not bad news. This is actually the beauty of the practice is that meeting any experience, any experience can be the object of wholesome cultivation, of wholesome and skillful practice. So when we're seeing that our minds are clinging, are struggling, are trying hard to make something happen, or trying to get rid of what's happening, of course, of course, this is what our minds have been conditioned to do. Can we recognize this as another natural process of the mind? Can we include this? Can we meet it with, with kindness, with compassion? Oh, it's, it's hard being human. Yeah, this mind is holding on and can't let go. Maybe that, that recognition of the out-of-control nature of our minds can be a support for a softening, a tenderizing of the heart. Can we even be not demanding that our minds be not demanding when we want them to be? These patterns are deeply conditioned. I'd like to, to read a story. Um, and this is not from the Buddha's discourses. This is from a children's book. This is from the, the book series called Frog and Toad. So it begins, Frog was in his garden. Toad came walking by. What a fine garden you have, Frog, he said. Yes, said Frog. It is very nice, but it was hard work. I wish I had a garden, said Toad. Here are some flower seeds. Plant them in the ground, said Frog, and soon you will have a garden. How soon, asked Toad. Quite soon, said Frog. Toad ran home. He planted the flower seeds. Now seeds, said Toad, start growing. Toad walked up and down a few times. The seeds did not start to grow. Toad put his head close to the ground and said loudly, Now seeds, start growing. Toad looked at the ground again. The seeds did not start to grow. Toad put his head very close to the ground and shouted, Now seeds, start growing. Frog came running up the path. What's all this noise? he asked. My seeds will not grow, said Toad. You are shouting too much, said Frog. These poor seeds are afraid to grow. My seeds are afraid to grow, asked Toad. Of course, said Frog. Leave them alone for a few days. Let the sun shine on them. Let the rain fall on them. 
soon your seeds will start to grow. That night, Toad looked out his window. Drat, said Toad, my seeds have not started to grow. They must be afraid of the dark. Toad went out to his garden with some candles. I will read the seeds a story, said Toad. Then they will not be afraid. Toad read a long story to his seeds. All the next day, Toad sang songs to his seeds. And all the next day, Toad read poems to his seeds. And all the next day, Toad played music for his seeds. Toad looked at the ground. The seeds still did not start to grow. What shall I do, cried Toad. These must be the most frightened seeds in the world. Then Toad felt very tired, and he fell asleep. Toad, Toad, wake up, said Frog. Look at your garden. Toad looked at his garden. Little green plants were coming up out of the ground. At last, shouted Toad, my seeds have started, have stopped being afraid to grow. And now you will have a nice garden too, said Frog. Yes, said Toad, but you were right, Frog. It was very hard work. How much are we shouting at our seeds or growing impatient that they haven't started to sprout? It's just not not as a seeing something to judge as bad, but oh, seeing where there is room for refinement, a room for a recalibration of effort. Can we plant the seeds? Can we water them and allow the sun to shine on them? And trust in this, this natural process, this lawful process, that when the conditions are in place for the seeds to sprout and grow, that they will. And that any effort that we make beyond planting and watering and putting in in place the conditions that support the process is not necessary and maybe is just extra tension, extra trying on our part. And we may even find that when we stop trying to make something happen, that that is when the practice starts to unfold and deepen in a new way in a way that is guided by more by the energy of the Dhamma than by personal effort. So I offer these uh, just reflections and um, thoughts about the practice and about the process of the the unfolding of the practice. And I would love to hear from you all what you've noticed in your own experience around what kind of effort is most supportive. Maybe you've learned through um, discovering what kinds of effort actually 
cause more stress or or don't don't support a natural settling and unfolding of the practice. And this, yeah, again, this is good news. We kind of have to go through doing it in a, in the the least optimal way, and we learn from that. Oh, this is not quite it. It's good news to be seeing that. The more and more we go through that, and the more and more we become aware of that, the more we learn the the way to engage that is more aligned that is more supportive. I'll just just end with this. Uh, I'm just remembering that Saida Utejaniya will often say, instead of trying to get it right, our practice is to be available to noticing how it's actually happening, what our minds are actually doing, including letting our minds make, quote, mistakes, letting our minds get caught in struggle because that's how the learning process unfolds. The more we get to know the nature of stress and what causes stress, the more our minds naturally release those causes. So, yeah, I I invite uh, any... Reflections from your own practice, any comments, questions? Yeah, please feel free to unmute or or raise your hand, whatever is easiest. Yeah, Marianne. Great talk today about relaxing. I was thinking about that this morning. I was trying to solve something, and I noticed how contracted I get when I'm trying to figure it out in the mind with all the multiple options, none of which are factual or just Mm -hmm. speculation. And I'm winding myself up. And I, I know from experience, the sooner I'm willing to let it go and relax, eventually an answer will come. That's one answer and perfect. It doesn't come with 36 options. So this uh, relaxing relentlessly, I love that slogan. Uh, Liz Powell one time said something, relax and receive. And I notice when I'm more open and receptive, the guidance will come rather than this spinning to get the perfect right answer to be good enough. Yeah, great talk. Thank you. Thank you very much for that, that reflection. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Hi. Hi. Hi, Ari. I've got my phone. I, I'm not very good at um, doing this, but yeah, I just really enjoyed your talk also. And I've just been realizing um, just in the last few weeks or whatever, you know, I even was clenching my jaw. I have to go to the dentist today. I, you know, broke a tooth out or whatever, but it was like, my priority is not on my practice. And my priority has been, okay, I got this thing that's going on. That is my priority. And I'll get to the practice later when things settle down. And I'm just wondering if I can hear from you about how to 
Um, I mean, if they can both be together, I feel like, oh, I've got to get this thing done. It's like I don't have time to, you know, have this mindfulness thing in. It slows me down. And I was just hearing you. I thought, God, I just, you know, my life is so much better. And if I would just slow down a little bit, be more mindful, you'd save time in the long run. <laughs> but, but yeah, I really, really also enjoyed your talk. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the uh, the comment. And um, yeah, yeah, it's it's important. It's important to see the kind of the the momentum of our minds and the momentum of this sense of oh I you know need to put all of my attention on the things that that I need to do and and sounds like you already yeah you already know just from what you said that you know it is it is possible to do all of those things with kind of a natural just being with your experience just being with what it's like to be doing those things they don't even need to slow down outwardly like you can be you know running around and working very quickly and um sometimes when there's a, a a relaxed kind of being with that process that can support there being kind of a sense of an inner stability in the midst of fast maybe even chaotic engagement or surroundings um and in terms of you know we will find our commitment kind of coming and going our our sense of our our sense of whether the the practice is our priority is at the center that will kind of come and go and i just encourage you to be curious about oh what what is going on when the practice feels like it kind of like the interest in the practice falls to the wayside maybe you can just be be curious about Oh, what are the kind of the states, some of maybe the emotions, maybe the the qualities of the heart and mind that are present when that happens? And then also those times when, oh yeah, the the scent, the importance of the practice really comes to the fore in the heart. And then just recognize, oh, what does that feel like? And I'd just encourage a gentle exploration of getting to know that and making room for for it to be however it is, you know, not uh, as Andrea sometimes says, you know, not wanting to practice is a perfectly fine thing to be aware of. (laughs) So we can, we can be, yeah, just make room for all of that and just, just be curious about the process. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, this is a such a basic thing, but I'm glad the topic of practice came up. I'm I'm uh, newly retired and uh, learning. I I had a learning about relaxing just in general, the the shift from the constant push, and I was still doing the push even though I didn't need to do it. 
energetically. So there's a relaxing, which shifted everything. Um, I was able to, I'm now able to enjoy the time that I have. Um, and yet, and yet I haven't found the ideal time to practice that I don't have that struggle. So my attachment to how I would like my day to flow. <laughs> and, and I just, I just can't, but if I go, if I go in the morning, then I'm eating breakfast too late or I'm losing sleep. If I go in the evening, then I risk not doing it or it messes up the rhythm with my partner. And then I do it this and then I don't do it. There's just, there's no time in the day I want to sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> And I just feel that and I'm being with it and I'm being, I'm trying to be gentle and let go. And yet, I mean, it's only been a few days or times that I've missed practicing, but, but, but I feel like it's getting time to not miss practice anymore because I know, I know what happens when I miss practice, you know, when I don't practice, but eventually the the benefits uh, start to wane. <laughs> So I, I, I don't know how to do that. I don't know with this effort. It was so great. You talked about that, you know, sitting on the clutch of eggs, but, but, but when is the good time where I'm not going to feel that, you know, I can feel a gentleness about it and not kind of like, okay, Jan, you got to sit right now. (laughs) Feeling. Right. Right. Yeah. Thanks for the comment. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, paradoxically, part of the practice is learning to, to open to and to be kind of not demanding of even our minds kind of struggle and protest and not liking how it is and there's such a learning in in you know it sounds like in in what you're describing there's already such a learning and oh this is the nature of the mind there is no perfect set you know satisfying easeful peaceful time it's like we're we so often cannot arrange the world to conform to you know our kind of ideal preferences and and so how are we how are we when the conditions don't feel quite ideal yeah when the conditions don't feel ideal that's really where where the practice is and i i would encourage being really available to what it what that experience is for you and just being very very kind can we paradoxically be kind and gentle with with our our hearts when they're being harsh when they're being when they're struggling when they're not liking um this opening to this this truth of kind of the way the way that both the world is, which is kind of out of our control and never quite uh, permanently satisfying all of our our wants and and preferences, and and then 
learning from our our relationship to that learning from our relationship to that can we be available to oh what is it what is it like to be with this you know feeling the conflict here of oh i'm sacrificing something for some, for something else that feels important like what what happens inside there around that and um yeah, I'm curious what that's like for you. Yeah. Yeah, I can feel a shift, Arya, in hearing you speak, even though you didn't say exactly these words. But if I approach this with the love of the Dharma, if I if I go, oh wow, there's this thing that you love. How can we support you? And that's a lot like sitting on the clutch of eggs, you know, you just it's or a mother, you know. So yeah, how, how can I support you? in in um investing i guess i'm just trying to think of the right gentle word investing in this practice that yeah means so much to you and that you love so much yeah beautiful beautiful yeah thank you beautiful yeah i i heard in your description and and now again even more like how important how how much you know the fruit and benefit of the of the practice and how important that is yeah yeah and let that love be um be the guide and yeah beautiful beautiful thank you Maybe maybe while um, while we're seeing if there are any other comments or questions, just just want to add that we yeah, again we really can't expect to have our minds be some way that we maybe even we really know is is a skillful way to be it. It took years, years of being being with the mind struggling in the practice, the mind trying hard to do the practice, to be aware in a very over-efforting, uh, tight way. It took years of being with that uh, in my own practice for the learning to start to unfold and ripen that gave rise to a new way of being, a new way of, of being with experience of, of being in this, this practice. And 
Um, so even when that is what's happening, if we can meet that and be available for that, can trust that we are actually putting the conditions in place for for that to soften and for for patterns that um, that lead to greater and greater happiness and ease to to unfold to to ripen in the future. So wherever we are, just meeting that exactly as it is, that is skillful practice. Just want to underline that again. Yeah. It's a long road. In in the suttas, some of even some of the Buddha's um, foremost disciples, like uh, Anuruddha, was one of the the Buddha's chief disciples. Um, a fully awakened arahant with penetrating wisdom and compassion. Uh, in this, in the suttas, you know, it took him like seventeen years of of full-time committed practice as a monastic complete renunciant to have a real like opening and breakthrough in his practice but it does happen it's lawful it does happen you can trust that yeah any final uh, comments or reflections Well, thank you all very much. It's lovely, lovely to be with you, to practice with you, and to to discuss to discuss the Dharma with you. And may may the goodness of our practice and our time together ripple out and be of benefit to all beings everywhere. May all beings everywhere be free from suffering. <laughs>